I think I'm plugged in. There we are. So we're still having some minor technological challenges, but it's all good, right? God is in control, and we're grateful for that. We've been looking at Joshua chapter 1 as kind of our model going forward. I suggested to you two weeks ago that God has us on an adventure. And I asked you if you were ready for an adventure, and I heard a pretty good response of, yes, we're ready, right? Yes, we are. So God is calling us on this adventure, and this adventure is going to be a challenge. I've suggested this is a time in our church, a time of change, a time of challenge, and a time of choice. Just as it was for Joshua, just as it was for the people of God under his leadership. We talked about the fact that change is uncomfortable, change isn't fun. Change is difficult. We resist change. We talked about adventure, supposed to be fun and exciting, but it's also oftentimes characterized by words like dangerous, risky, hazardous, the unknown. And so going forward, we have all of these thoughts about the adventure that God has us on. And I want you to come again with me this morning to Joshua chapter 1. I want to remind you of this, this great portion of Scripture in this Great instruction that God gives to Joshua is it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun, will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I've been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so we began thinking about this challenge that Joshua faced. And the first thing that we looked at as we looked at Joshua's challenge was that God had given to Joshua and to the people of God a place. He had promised them a place, this this turf, this land that stretched from the Mediterranean Sea all the way to the Euphrates River. And I suggested to you last week that just as God gave to Joshua a place, He's given to us a place. He's given us this wonderful facility. He's given us worship space and outdoor play space and classroom space. He's given us a place to use and to maximize for His glory. He's placed us here in the city of Norwalk. He's placed us here in the 14th most populous city in L.A. County. 105 people, 105,000 people consider Norwalk their home. And He's placed us 
here in the midst of that 105,000 people. He's placed us in what I consider to be a very strategic location. Here along the 605 corridor, where we're intersected by three other major freeways. The 5 freeway, the 105 freeway, the 91 freeway. We're in a strategic place. I suggested to you last week that he's placed each one of us in strategic places. The neighborhoods we live in. The places where we work, the social circles that we're a part of. Each of us is in a place that God has given to us. A place He wants us to use and maximize for His glory. I suggested to you last week that God has placed us that we might show His love and grace to a lost world. He has placed each one of us exactly where we are. That we might be reflections of His glory. That we might tell stories of His love and His mercy and His grace. Just as He placed Israel in the land that He chose for them, just as He placed them there that they would be a light to the nations, He placed them there that they would show His salvation to the world. He's placed us here in this strategic place. It's amazing what God has done in a hundred years. More than a hundred years now, 110 years in the life of, of this church. Most of us weren't here 110 years ago, right? But God's done some amazing things in the ministry of our church. And He wants to continue to do that, right? He truly does. I rode my bike this week, as I often do. And normally when I come over to the church and and ride, I ride with Mark. And he and I ride down the river trail and along the beach. And Mark wasn't able to ride with me this week. And so I decided... I'm just going to ride my bike through all the local neighborhoods around our church. Have you ever walked the neighborhoods around our church? I rode my bike up and down almost every street, probably within about a mile radius of our church. And as I rode my bike down those streets, I was praying, God, there's people here that need to know Jesus. There's families here that are in trouble. And they need the hope that's only found in Jesus. Lord, what can we do? How can we reach these people? And I prayed that as I rode up and down streets. And and I found some awesome parks. And I think, here's a park where normally, non-pandemic time, right? People would be gathering. People would be here. These would be places where we could go and meet people and have conversations and talk about Jesus, right? And I was rather surprised because I discovered just over here, several blocks, Norwalk High School, just within a few blocks of our church. And I rode my bike down over here, and there's this large, beautiful middle school. I think it's called Corvallis Middle School. And at least within the, the places where I rode, there's four elementary schools. And I just thought, Lord, you've given us opportunity in two of those schools to do good news clubs, and we'd love to be able to reconnect and find ways to minister. Um, maybe there's ways to connect with some of these other schools. I don't know. But my whole point is this. God has given us a place to maximize for His glory. And as I read on in Joshua, as God speaks to him about this place, in verse 5 he says, No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And I think there's a promise I want to claim for us here in our church that whatever God has for us, wherever He's going to send us, wherever He's going to use us, His promise is, yes, there will be opposition. 
Yes, there will be difficulties. Yes, there will be challenges. But guess what? He's bigger. He's greater. And just as he promised to Joshua, no man will be able to stand. I want to claim that promise for Grace Norwalk. That God is going to be there with us. He's going to take us through it. Whatever the obstacles, whatever the challenges, whatever the future holds, He is going to be there with us. No man will be able to stand against us. Nahum 1.7 says, The Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in Him. He's our place of refuge and strength and hope. Last week, Chewy shared with us Psalm 46 that says the Lord is our, our refuge, our very present help in trouble. And so I want you to know going forward to whatever the future is that God has for us, whoever He brings to us to lead us, no man is going to be able to stand. No opposition is going to be able to stand because our God is bigger, our God is stronger, our God is greater. And that's where someone slips in that little four-letter word, Amen. Oh, that was so enthusiastic, too. That just throws my, throws my spirit. And so, not only does Joshua, God tell Joshua, no one's going to be able to stand with you. But then he says these incredibly strategic words. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. You see, not only is there a place for us, and there's protection for us, but there's a person God's presence is going to go forward with us. God's presence is going to dwell among us. And my prayer every Sunday morning is, God, meet us here in this place. We need your presence with us, don't we? We absolutely need God's presence. And I think, for me personally, one of the most strategic promises that's repeated throughout the Scriptures is God's promise, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. He said that so often. He said it to Moses over and over again. He said it to David. He said it to Gideon. That promise goes on and on and on. His promise to always be there. I'll be with you no matter what. Um, Psalm 23 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why not? Because you are with me. Because you are with me. You know, the scripture says that two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. Woe to him who falls and doesn't have anyone to lift him up. And we value those relationships, right? We value those friendships. We value that. And whether it's a difficult time in life and you have a friend, a family member at your side, whether there's a challenge in your life, it might be a health challenge, a financial challenge, we value the relationships of family and friends. Two are always better than one. But Solomon goes on from there at the end of that passage in Ecclesiastes 4. And he says, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. And I believe that Solomon uses that, that picture of the third strand of the rope to remind us of the Lord. Yes, we value what we have as family and friends. But how much we need to depend on the Lord, His presence, to always be there. As I was reflecting on that phrase, just as I have been with Moses, I'll be with you. Joshua could have reflected back on the life of Moses and all the instances where God had been there with Moses. 
And as I was reflecting on that, my mind went back to Exodus chapter 33. In Exodus chapter 33, God has had it with his stubborn, rebellious people. And God says to Moses, and this is kind of my paraphrase because I don't have it all memorized, right? So God says to Moses, I'm done. I'm not going with you to the promised land. Um, I'll send my angel with you. And I've always loved Moses' response. Because Moses said, time out, no. If you're not going with us, I'm not going. (laughs) you imagine having a conversation with God like that? If you don't go with us, I'm not going. I'm going to take my ball and go home. I'm done. And in that passage in Exodus 33, God relents, if you will. And he says to Moses, okay, I'll go. Let's go. And Moses says, well, if I really have found favor in your sight, I want you to show me your glory. (laughs) And I just read that passage and I think, here's Moses making demands of God. If you don't go, God... I'm not going. Oh, by the way, I want you to show me your glory. Which, by the way, God did, right? And that amazing story of God tucking Moses in the cleft of the rock and passing by, and the scripture says he allowed Moses to see his afterparts. I'm not sure exactly what that means. But my whole point is, the promise to Joshua was, just as I've been with Moses, I'll be with you. And Joshua could look back on that history with a confidence going forward. And so today, in 2020, God says, I have a place for you. I'm going to protect you. And more importantly than that, I personally am going to go with you. We're not in this alone, right? We're not in this alone. Whatever that unknown future, whatever that hazard, whatever the risk, whatever the challenge, we're in this together with God. And I think that's exactly where I want to be. Wherever God is, that's where I want to be. And so, God, if you're, if you're moving in these neighborhoods around our church, I want to be there. If you're moving in these schools, I want to be there. And I don't know exactly where it is that God wants to lead us in the months and years ahead, what his plans and hopes for us are. But our confidence needs to be this. He'll be there with us. He'll carry us through it. And, and that's, that's just a great, great hope. And so he not only says to Joshua, just as I've been with Moses, I'll be with you. He says these words at the end of verse 5, I will not Fail you or forsake you. Isn't it amazing we just heard a song about God not failing us? And God says to Joshua, I won't fail you. I won't forsake you. I'm always going to be here. So we have a promised place, promised protection, promised person. And now there's this provision that God says, I am never, never going to fail you. Or forsake you. That word fail, by the way, is an interesting word in the Hebrew language. It it means to loosen, to be feeble. It's the idea of of weakness. 
And God says, I will never be feeble. I will never be weak. I will not fail you. And then he says, I will not forsake you. And that word forsake, the Hebrew word, has the idea of, of loosening your grip on something. Uh, one of the words that might be used to translate that Hebrew word is the word to relinquish, to let something go. And God says, I'm never feeble and I never will relinquish you. When I played football in high school, one of our coaches came up with this cheer that uh, he wanted our cheerleaders to lead the, the fans in. And he, he kind of favored things that were intellectual and cultural. And so the cheer that, uh, that he shared with us was, Repel them! Repel them! Make them relinquish the ball! Can you believe sitting in the football stands at Brethren High School with several, several hundred people shouting those words? Repel them! Repel them! Make them relinquish the ball! But the whole idea of relinquishing the ball was what? Get it out of their hands. Turn it loose. Give it back to us. And God says, I will never relinquish you. We're always in the firm grip of His hand. Isn't that a great promise? Going forward, we think of the challenges that we face. To Joshua, the challenge was arise and cross. Take the people of God into the land. And of course, going into the land were all those pagan nations that they were to defeat and to conquer and to overcome. Arise and cross. And God's challenge to us is, get up, get going. Don't rest on the past. Don't sit here in neutral waiting till the new pastor comes. Get going, get moving. What could we be doing going forward? What could we be doing? Are there new ministries that could be created? Is there a new vision that could be created in our midst? And we're going to be talking about this in the next few weeks. Our search committee is going to meet for the first time a week from today at 3 o'clock. You might mark that on your calendar. It's just an opportunity to think, to stop for a few minutes and pray. Uh, Going forward, um, some have asked who's on that committee, and I'm going to try to pull names out of my head, and I'm going to forget somebody, and then I'm going to be embarrassed. Um, uh, Tim Lansing is leading that uh, committee. Um, One of our elders is alongside of him. Dave Goodwin is a part of that committee. Um, Our three deacons, Eddie and Vet and Victor, are a part of our search committee. And then we've added to that group, uh, we've asked Matt, our drummer, Consuegra. I can never can pronounce his last name. He's just Matt. Um, And that's a good name, Matt. Um, we've asked Matt to serve on the committee. Uh, Tracy Lansing has agreed to serve on our committee. And who else am I missing? Chewy, uh, we've asked to serve on our committee. So we've got, I think, if I counted correctly, is that eight? And so will you pray for our committee going forward? Because we want to involve you in the process. We're preparing some questionnaires that we want you to respond to. Uh, we want you to come together. We're in this together, right? We're in this together. And the big question isn't, what does Roy want? What do the elders want? What do the deacons want? What do the search committee want? The big question isn't even, what do I, each one of us individually, the question ought to be in our hearts and minds, what does Jesus want? 
What is Jesus' plan and hope and dream for us? And that's what we want to discover and embrace going forward together. It's part of the adventure that we're on. And I was thinking of, I, I love adventure. Um, I just, I love that idea of adventure. And I was thinking about it again this week. And I was thinking, you know, adventure is not a spectator sport. You don't go on adventures in an easy chair, right? You don't go on adventures on your sofa. Adventures are participative, active. Um, I thought about this yesterday. I was watching, uh, I think, what today's Sunday. I was watching Friday's uh, stage of the Tour de France bike race, and I was sitting in an easy chair. My feet were up. I had a big glass of iced tea, and I was watching those guys racing at 60 miles an hour. So embarrassing. Um, and I was thinking, wouldn't it be an awesome adventure to go ride with the Tour de France guys just, just for an hour? And then I thought, no, their first hour was 27 miles an hour uphill. I couldn't do that. But here I am in my easy chair, and here's these guys out on their adventure. We need every single one of us to be involved, to be active, to participate. And to help us gather together going forward. I've suggested to you over the last two Sundays that there's three big words that are in my heart and in my mind that I want to call us to. I've talked with you a little bit about that word surrender, that God's calling us on this adventure to surrender. Not to surrender to me or the church leaders, but to surrender to whom? To Jesus. And our first submission is to submit ourselves, to surrender, to submit ourselves to Jesus, to the Scriptures, to the Holy Spirit. Our prayer ought to be, God, what do you want? Lord, what's your ambition for us? Where do you want us to create ministry? Lord, how can we best impact the city of Norwalk for you? How can we best cause your kingdom to go forward in the hearts and lives of men and women and boys and girls in this place where you've put us? Are we truly surrendered to what our God wants? And then I suggested to you, not only do we need to surrender, but we need to serve. That we need to be willing and able to find places of ministry and places of service. Where and how can God best use you with your gifts, your talents, your abilities? God wants each one of us to have places of ministry and places of service. And for some of us, that means uh, we're home We're locked down. We're not out. We're not going anywhere. If my wife were to stand here with me this morning, she would tell you the most important ministry you can have in the life of this church is to pray. I think she's been out of the house, away from our neighborhood. We've walked around the block a few times. But when I say out, I think she's been out maybe eight times since March 16th. Maybe eight times. But she loves to be home. She loves to pray. And she's on the phone with her friend Wanda in North Carolina. They're praying. She's on the phone with her friend Carol, who just lives six blocks away. They're praying. So God has a ministry for each one of us. And my wife would say the most important ministry is a ministry of prayer. God wants us to surrender. He wants us to serve. And we have so many needs in our church family for service. 
Right now, we would love to be able to start thinking forward about children's ministry. What can we be doing on Sundays, Sunday mornings with children? When and how and where and timing to move back inside. Lord, we're looking to you to show us what to do. But we need help with children. When Brenda left, she was the leader. She was the one who was given vision and direction to all that we were doing. And so we need help in the children's area. We need, we need each of our, each of our uh, deacon ministries, our care ministry, our outreach ministry, our fellowship ministry, all need help. Eddie's sitting right here and he would jump up and say, help, we need help in our fellowship commission. Um, there's just so many opportunities. I'm just, my, my plea this morning is to surrender to the Lord and ask him, Lord, where do you want me to serve? Where do you want me to help? God's calling us to surrender, to serve, and I've already mentioned prayer, but that's the most important thing. Opportunities to pray. And whether that's a part of our Wednesday night uh, prayer and Bible study time, whether that's our church prayer chain, whether that's a group that meets with me about 15 minutes before our service time to pray. Um, I've got a group of about a dozen that are part of what I'm calling Pastor Roy's prayer team. And I send them requests every Monday or Tuesday in an email. Um, we need to be a praying church. Are we all on that page? We need to be a praying church. And so God has brought us to this time of change. He's brought us to this time of challenge. And he's saying to us, I have put you in this place. I'm going to protect you from opposition. I'm personally going to go with you as you go forward. And I'm going to provide for you because I never fail. I never forsake. I'm going to be with you. And his call for us, as it was to Joshua, is arise and cross. That's the challenge before us. To arise and to cross into an unknown future. Where there may be some hazards. There may be some risk. But God's going to be there with us. He's, I heard this phrase this week. If God brought you to it, he'll take you through it. If God brought you to it. He'll take you through it. And you know, that's true whether it's a pandemic. That's true whether it's cancer. That's true whether it's the loss of a job. Whatever the circumstances are individually in our lives and collectively as a church going forward, our confidence this morning is this. If God brought us to it, He's going to take us through it. You believe that? I sure do. Lord, I thank you for the confidence we have this morning that just as Joshua faced that awesome, overwhelming challenge of leading your people, your stubborn, rebellious people, and he had that challenge of leading them over the Jordan River and into the land to conquer. Lord, you've given us a challenge. You've put us in this place for a reason. You've put us here to be a light to our neighbors. You've put us here that we might proclaim your goodness, your love, your grace, your mercy. And Lord, I'm grateful that you're here with us. We're not left alone. We're not left on our own devices. We're not left on my best ideas or our church leader's best ideas. Lord, we're dependent on you. We're counting on you. I want to say with Moses, Lord, if you don't go with us, I'm not going. Lord, we need you. We desperately need you. In our midst, going with us, leading the way, showing us the way. Lord, we surrender 
to you this morning with open hands, with open hearts. We surrender to you, to follow you, to obey you. As we arise and cross, we look to you. We look to you, to your power, your majesty, and your might. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. And Lord, we're counting on your greatness to be a part of what propels us forward in the days and weeks and months ahead. And we trust you together in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. And so as you go this week, into the week before you, whatever it is that's going on in your life this week, if God brought you to it, He's going to take you through it. And He wants you in the midst of that to reflect His love, His grace, His glory to a lost world. That's what He wants to accomplish. For His glory, for our good. We go forward into the week ahead. That's my prayer. Have a great week.